Metacasters, if you're new to the Metacast, I'm the foundation, the rock upon which the Metacast is built. My name is Bob Galen, uh, and I have quite a bit of experience. Uh, and I've been doing it for 13 years with a wonderful friend and colleague of mine uh, who I've taken under my wing um, to grow. And that's... <laughs> Hello, Metacasters. Uh, I'm Josh Anderson. I am the one that spackles puts back together that crumbling rock of bob galen that you heard introduce himself <laughs> i've taken that up as my mantle within the medicast the, to make the sure spa the spackler <laughs> yeah. that's me that's what i do i spackle i just got to keep it all together you know it's one of those things where you don't want to get too close because then you'll see all the cracks and crevices but Absolutely. if you stand far enough away it, it's pristine it's beautiful um so yes here we are doing another episode entry music it's the bob and josh show episode 241 is here and we're sticking with a potpourri it turns out bob and i like this format it seems like some of you do too so if you want to hear us keep this rolling you gotta send in questions hit us up on discord linkedin twitter you name it we're here we're ready to listen Get those questions in. Otherwise, Bob and I will return to philosophize. That's right. Rhyming intended. Here we go. Today is going to be more tactical. And sometimes we get strategic or we talk about, you know, more esoteric things like leadership dynamics and stuff. Yes. We do have a tendency to philosophize. Yep. So what is today? Like. Today, today is a ask me anything format, Josh, I think. Are we doing that? Well, I mean, we have existing questions for our potpourri that we're going to start things off with. But as what always... Did, wait, hold it. Josh, my network broke. Uh, what What did you just say? For our what? Potpourri. Potpourri! We're, it's a... <laughs> you enjoy it's that a, way too much. I, I do. It's a... Everyone... So, Metacasters, this is potpourri. Ask me anything. Or a potpourri of tactical content. And this is... Dare I say it, part trois. <laughs> Let me tee up a question, Josh. Cut okay, to the chase. Okay, okay. Uh, these are from Marcus W., who's a coach in Germany, who oh, I've okay. met virtually. Uh, but it's kind of it's kind of cool. He has four questions. And first one: How do a jillyize non-software related interests industries? So some thoughts around agilification. <laughs> of non-software <laughs> that sounded almost painful <laughs> it's like every 10 years you get agilified <laughs> whether yeah, you like it or whether yeah. you like it or not yes you have to go in to get agilified yeah once again okay so i from my perspective it's no different as i've expanded my roles and responsibilities across companies um jumped in to help various companies in different situations the problems are all the same it's it's there's a real world challenge in having a collection of people work really, really well together. And surprise, surprise, the models that we like to use, Bob and I both prefer Scrum, that works for any kind of work. And we've not had any issues rolling it out to any department, any approach. Uh, so that, from my perspective, everything you do, just do more of it. And it's what you're good at. So why would you try something different 
I think that's where a lot of coaches get in trouble is they perceive that it could be different. So they feel like they have to go get a whole new set of tools and bring that into this new thing. So now you're dealing with this new thing with a new set of tools and you've doubled the challenge, stick with what you're good at and, and bring that and then adjust. I'm going to disagree a little bit and I see mm -hmm. how you respond. Um, and I'm disagreeing with scrum. I don't think scrum is as general purpose, uh, as we'd like it to be. So I think if you replace, for me, if you replace scrum with Kanban and lean thinking and flow based thinking and efficiency, which is part of, which can be part and is part yeah. of scrum. But I think sometimes the scrum guide and the scrum terminology gets in the way or it becomes a straitjacket outside of software, even in, even in software. Uh, so I would say if you have a lean mindset and you're focusing on flow and value and Kanban is really good for that, um, that, then that, that can work almost anywhere. Like I think of a hospital, my wife and I went to an emergency room. Oh my God, there's a, there's a system where flow, <laughs> which is not flowing very well. Uh, and they could use a dose of lean thinking and, and value streaming and, and, and I think there's a lot of places like that, customer service organizations, companies, silos in companies that could use more lean thinking. So that was only, I, I'm sort of leaning away from Scrum as being his general purpose, Josh. What do you think? Scrum is the basis of how I operate with everything. When I talk about treating anything and everything like a product, it is based on Scrum. And I use that so much of the foundation is built on the backlog and having a healthy backlog of work. Now, there are situations, like you mentioned, where it's impossible to expect that you're going to have a backlog that's six sprints long, given the amount of uncontrollable income of issues that just happen. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's right. you know, customers, support, whatever it might be. It's things like that. So the foundation is always scrum, but then you have to understand what's appropriate for that business case. But the right. fundamentals are always what I start with. And again, it ties back to lowercase a agile where you just react and respond, but you have a, you have a home base, you walk in with that home base and then you read and react to what's going on and the right. differences that each and every group department team has. But again, I'm going to, I'm going to, disagree a little so scrum is good for plan-based work date-driven work you know sort of plan work i'm building a house uh but in the emergency room it's more flow-based it's more customer-driven etc so scrum i mean bringing scrum into an emergency room to try to optimize it or even into a hospital would would probably be a challenge so so i think there's the the level of work that's that's the type of work not level of work but yeah. the type of work you're doing matters uh but but i think agile works in any industry it's just be be wise and prudent in how you select or recognize what you're doing yeah you good I, uh, go ahead i agree that it's not always right but i think there are large portions of a hospital that could operate in that manner like billing is a perfect thing right there's all kind of, there's again Damn you, there's all Josh kinds Anderson. Of flavors. yeah yeah there, there's yeah. it's yeah. It's again, it's, you have to find what, what's right. But I start with, and I'm not saying anybody else has to, but that's what I do is I walk in with scrum and then I say, Oh, we should not do that because of X, Y, and Z, but, but that's, that's your, but yeah. that's your technology context yeah. coming yeah. through. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, so we have a question in chat since we talked about AMA. And this okay. is something this is something that came up yesterday in a free webinar that I hosted. Why weren't you there? If you're listening to this, tell me why you weren't there for this free webinar on exactly. transforming your culture, regardless of your role in a company. The question is from the great Stephen Kellogg, who we can always count on. Um, let's say that you're working through this cultural change and it's going well, you're happy, but then pressure hits. And people say like, gosh, maybe we shouldn't be going through this rough sea of agile transformation. Maybe we should just go back to what we know we're good at and do that until this happens, until we ship or release or we do whatever. Bob, what's your what's your view on that? So I I think the first thing that comes to my mind is to normalize it. It's normal for that to happen. Any change. It's not just agile. It's not just culture change. If I'm trying to change my stripes as a dad, if I'm trying to cut down on my dad humor. Why would you do that? I don't know. But if I'm trying <laughs> if I'm trying to become a better dad, uh and if and if I'm out at a mall and there's pressure and my kids are going, I'm 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 reverting back. I'm thinking about my kids when they were younger. I'm going to revert to you know ogre dad or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and and I'm really trying to be serious. It may sound like I'm being too funny, but I think there's a normalization where when you're going through change of any sort, organizational change. Uh, group change, team change, personal change, that there's a place where the change is in evolution and then it becomes sticky. It becomes your new status quo. And until it becomes your new status quo, meaning under pressure, I maintain the new status quo, then you you have this probability or you have this possibility to revert. And it's normal, right? And And I think you need to recognize it. Now, as a coach... I, I, the other, the second thought I had with was as a coach, I don't know if I, there are no silver bullets in my mind. There's no, there's no inoculation for that. That's normal. What we can do as coaches is put a mirror up and, and show that to the system, show that to the person that it happened and show it earlier. So they have recognition to say, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to stop that. Right. I've reverted to my comfort zone. Or I've reverted to this and I need to not do that. Now, the other part of that new status quo is finding the value. Like what, what keeps you there is saying it's the right place. No matter what, like you and I will never, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but you and I would not revert under pressure. Right. Right. I'm not going to throw agile out in the garbage. You can put all, you could actually threaten to fire me and I'm not going to throw my agile principles out the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to be fired, but I'm not, I'm not, you can't pressure me. Now it took me, <laughs> look at me, it took me 800 years <laughs> to get to that place. But uh, so, but you have to navigate that. So I don't know if you have any other reactions, but that's two thoughts I immediately had. Yeah, I. your first point aligns pretty closely with the approach that I take in that there's never a perfect time for you to take on a transformation of this size. It just doesn't exist. So I spend time educating just like Bob does and showing them that there's name a time in the past five years where things were, you know, slow enough that you could set aside however many months 
to take this on. And there isn't, and there won't be, and it's only going to get harder. That's the, that's the other point that I bring in is that it's only going to get harder. The longer we wait, we're going to get more customers. There'll be more pressure because our success is going to make it harder and harder to keep up. So let's do this now rather than wait. The teams are going to grow. The company's going to grow. All of these things are going to happen, which are fantastic, but it creates challenges for a transformation of that size. So let's not wait. Let's realize the difficulty that we're in. We have to be steely-eyed and just stare yep. it down and accept it and move forward. Yep. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, it's now I will say in agile, we are in the middle as agile coaches, as agilists, we're in the middle of freaking like, like there's a level five hurricane <laughs> that we're in the middle of called organizational change with agile accoutrements. Did you like that? With accoutrements. Yeah, well, there's more yeah. French, right? It is more French. Yeah. It's, hey, it's part 12, baby. Oh, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, so I, I think maybe a serious point is just really become, you know, I guess comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. comfortable that we're in a changing system uh and that's hard for for a lot of people a lot of people want to control things mm -hmm. right want to plan things and and uh, it even if someone tries to change me and says you know put pressure on me uh or whatever they're they're giving me non-agile pressure uh realizing that that doesn't make them a bad human being mm -hmm. it just means they're looking at the world now i'm not aligned with them <laughs> so but but they're they're not inherently evil Right. And I just need to find a place where I can I can find that ecosystem or change into that ecosystem. Yeah. The last thing for me is it, it feels a little bit cornballish, but I've heard people say the only constant is change. And you know, it's accurate. I don't like the saying, but it's accurate. And it's hard to introduce that concept at times with a saying like that, because people react like I do when they roll their eyes. But um that is one of the things that to Bob's point, our role is to continually improve and change and you're never done. So this is just the life that we live, which is why Bob and I kind of look at that situation and say, yep, that's that's normal. And you just have to push through because that I mean, that's what you're doing. I, I mean, I'm going to say it's 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 very challenging. So there are people that have written books about this. Like there's, there's entire disciplines, organiza OD, organizational development in HR systems, change agents. It's not just an agile thing. There, there are university degrees. There are books. John Cotter has written a series of books talking about navigating through change and how difficult And he, it's. He's not just doing it for revenue. He's providing navigating organizations groups, teams, small size, large size through any change, like a reorg is a change. It's not just mm -hmm. agile, right? Moving office building. I moved offices once and it was eye contact. We moved from one office to another. Oh my God. You would have thought that I, you know, shot parents or something like that. Right. It's a, yeah. you know, and then folks were fighting. I want a window seat. I oh, want yeah. that. I mean, I mean, it's like change is incredibly difficult. Agile really exacerbates it. It's a culture change. It's a work change. It's a style change, et cetera. I'm not trying to look for, I'm not looking for sympathy. It's that's, that's the business we're in, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's the business we're in. And when someone says agile, 
that's that's part and parcel of what you're diving into. Let's go. Let me get another question here. Oh, I like this one. How to recruit? How to recruit agile experts? I don't know. I mean, how would I recruit Bob? No, no, don't talk about me. I would post a lot of social media pictures of potato heads. Uh, I would talk about one of our perks is a new potato head every quarter. <laughs> no, you know, I to, to me, it's no different than some of the things that we talk about. You have to model the behavior. A, a real expert is going to sniff out a fake very quickly. So you just have to be agile and good agile people want to be around other good agile people. It's one of those things where in our industry right now, there's a lot of folks that have agile coach and scrum master and agile, whatever title that you want to have that are out there. Yep. And unfortunately, more often than not, it's a label that isn't backed by being a practitioner. So really good practitioners like to be around really good practitioners because they know they're going to learn yep. and they're going to grow and it's going to be just a healthy move for them. So just exemplify the type of person that you want to hire. And you can't just like do it in your own office and not tell anybody, but you're going to have to get public. You're going to have to post on social media. You're going to have to get engaged in whatever groups you like to chat in. That's otherwise you might be doing the awesomest job, but no one knows it. So you're going to have to put yourself out there, which I know makes some folks uncomfortable, but you know what? I'm working on a blog post for all of us agile coaches out there that might be uncomfortable with putting no. themselves out there in social media. Yeah. And, and, and Bob, it's a, it's a blog post. I'm actually writing a blog post, which I know. Oh my God. Oh, 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 yep. <laughs> oh my God. I'm getting excited for oh, sorry, you. I'm to do that for you. Yeah. 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 Uh, real quickly. And you missed an opportunity. I'm incredibly oh, disappointed. So my response is first, everyone who's listening to this, hire that guy. Yeah. Right. So hire, I mean, you hang out here. You want an expert? Josh is an expert. He's sort of a, you know, he's sort of a quirky expert, <laughs> but he's an expert. Uh, yeah. We've been doing this Metacast for 13 years. Uh, that's not chopped liver is, is what I would say in New York City, right? Uh, and and you want to know what he knows and what he doesn't know? Uh, then listen to the Metacast. There's no, isn't, there's no BS in the Metacast. And that's, a, you know, I'm not selling me, I'm, but Josh, yeah, go grab Josh. So yeah. go, go out there and find experts who are sharing their expertise, who are walking the, their agile talk. That's the, another thing. Josh is not just talking about it. He freaking does it. I try to do the same thing. Uh, the other thing is hire agile experts, ask experts for other experts, mm. right? So go talk. If you have an expert locally, go and, you know, ask them, who would you recommend? Uh, ask, ask a coach who is their coach and go get mm, that coach. That's good, yeah. Right. Go get that coach. Uh, now another thing, be willing to, to not be cheap. There's too yeah. much cheaper, right? So you're going to have to pay for that expertise, but it's worth it. 
I think the world, to, you know, the road to hell is paved with people who are nickel. You know, there's a billion agile coaches in the world and it's growing exponentially. They're not really agile coaches. Uh, they're not bad people. They just don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And they think there's an easy road to it with letters after their name and things like that. So you have to be willing to pay for the expertise as well. So don't be cheap about it uh, and then partner with them. Uh, they're not going to solve everything for you. They're going to actually check a good, a good agile expert is going to challenge the bejeepers out of you as an organization. If you don't want to be challenged in positive ways, then go, then go yeah. for a non-expert. But if you want to really, if you want to grow, if you want to create a kick-ass agile organization, if you want to be walking the talk and, and reaping the benefits of agility, then, then you have to pay for that and you have to pay for it in some sweat equity on your own. So I want to I want to see how you react to that, Josh. I got a little feisty there. I agree. Uh, uh, I mean, your best option is uh, you you go to Google, you type in k a z i dot i o, hit enter, and then there's plenty of options to get in touch with me. So you can do that. But Bob's right, and um, as usual, he has that additional layer of you know th this is this is not easy, simple stuff. If it was, you'd already be there and you'd be done. So don't, don't expect it's going to be cheap. Don't expect it's going to be easy. Again, the old saying of you get what you pay for is absolutely true. If you want to build something and you want it to last and you want it to be good in the physical world, you find the best person you can find. You know it's going to be expensive, but you do it. And you know it's going to be built well. You know it's going to last and you're comfortable. The same thing exists in this world. Find folks that have been there, done that, and can prove their track record and come in. And a thing I want to echo from, from Bob is you're likely going to be challenged the most out of the whole group as the leader that brings in someone like Bob or myself, we're going to challenge you a lot because it's on your shoulders to make this happen. So you're going to have to make some fundamental changes in how you're operating for that to actually become a reality. So don't think that we're gonna come in, you're gonna be able to sit in your office and we're gonna report back every two weeks and say like, hey, the team's better, the team's better, the team's better. Yes, that's gonna happen, but there's gonna be a ton of work that you have to do as well. Yep. Cool, next question. I like that question from, from Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Third, what are, the, what are your best practices for remote working after one and a half years of COVID? We talked a little bit about this in the last one, Josh, so I want to make it like a lightning talk. So if you had like a top one, two, three piece of advice for remote stuff, what, what would it be? You know, one of the things that always kind of made me uncomfortable back when being in office was, was the norm was how it felt like so many scrum masters tried to make standups different or more exciting or a different retrospective style. And like, that just was like, it felt completely unnecessary to me. Like just, just do it well. And people are going to recognize the value and they're going to be happy because things are growing. And while maybe that was a, you know, uh, a, a closed view of mine, it's 100% wrong in this world because being on, on a camera with a group of people, is oddly tiring because you're on at all times and 
not allowing a routine to become a routine, right? You're going to have to change things. You, you, you cannot rely on what always worked is going to keep working for the next five years. You're going to have to get comfortable changing things up. And then the, the other thing you have to do, you have to get people physically together. There's so much value that comes out of it. Yes, you're remote on a day-to-day basis, but invest in getting those groups of people together because that will change things drastically. Cool. My, my response, and Josh, I'm going to wow you. I'm going to blow the top of your head off because I'm going to be succinct. I believe it when I hear it. One, cameras on. Two, suck it up. Collaborate as a team. Stop whining about time zones. Collaborate as a team. Drop the mic. Ooh. There, we just heard the mic hit the floor. Cool. You have any reactions to that before we move on? No, that I, I mean, that's it. It is one of those things of it's not easy. So you're going to have to stick to your guns and push through it. Absolutely. Fourth question. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, we can take this. I, it's not clear to me. I think it's references, but the question is best sources for agile and servant leadership. You're listening to it. Oh, 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 you're on fire, my friend. <laughs> you, boom, we, we are, oh, I can't, I, I can't even. Yeah, mic dropped again. I, I would, is that, I would say, uh, don't lean into agile, lean into lean, mm. lean into things like servant leadership, uh, Robert uh, Greenfield, I think, is he wrote about he was a, a CEO of AT, uh, not AT&T, um, a pre-AT&T company in the 60s. And One of the bells. Yeah, and he created, well, he created, he was talking about servant leadership. Uh, there was, there's a book uh, called, an old book called the five, I think the five minute manager or something like that. I, I forget the guy who did it. I, let me see. I might have a note to myself about it. Uh, I don't have the author. Um, or Peter Senge's work. Peter Senge uh, talks about, and he's been taught writing about it. Uh, he's a professor at MIT. He talks about the fifth discipline, which is creating learning organizations. So what I would say, if you want to find out about agile and, and servant leadership, go before agile would be something there's there's work around that really it's it it supersedes agile it's 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 an overlap of agile i bought the five minute is it blanchard ah thank you david i was thinking it was ken blanchard i've i've read that book and i I don't have a copy because i've i've left every copy i've probably bought it four times and i've left them in airplanes for some reason that book got sucked into the seats of airplanes and i just left it behind uh but i've read that multiple times and what i like about it is it's just the challenge it makes the reminder it makes for good leadership i think good leadership is so good leadership is a, is a prerequisite for agile but it's it has nothing to do with agile oh it's the one minute manager thank you david absolutely so it is it's even more aggressive uh but it but it's a great and i i think the original published date was like in the 80s or something like that in the early 80s so that would be while 
So I wasn't joking when I said that you're here for it. What I've been mulling around in my brain over the past couple of weeks is so much of my mission historically has been around making great software teams that build great products. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I checked that box off and I did that. So what's that next big thing for me? And I just want to make leadership, good leadership, more ubiquitous. Unfortunately, there's not enough great, strong leaders. And it's now part of my mission to flip that around. The norm should be good leaders. Unfortunately, the norm is not good leaders. And I think we have the opportunity and platform to to actually turn that around. So that's where I'm really going to be focusing a significant amount of my, my effort going forward is just flipping that around. Man, amen, Gunga Din. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and, and you used the word ubiquitous. I did. You squeezed it, and I resisted the urge to bust your chops. I'm proud of until the end. I let you finish. I let you finish your. <laughs> I know your, that was very your, kind of you. Your your ubiquitous your ubiquitousity <laughs> before I interrupted you. I I love I love I I love the answer, Josh. You know, you said something about yourself. And I was going to make a smart comment about if something's running around your brain, gosh, that's a serious thought. Because it's a marathon. Serious, yeah, because there's serious room up there. <laughs> and I and I did make the comment. But you, if anyone knows Josh, Josh is a, a is a great role model for leaders, and he reflects a lot on it, it's not just it's not just what you read, it's not just the classes that you take. Are you a serious thinker and student and constantly refining your thoughts around leadership and agile and performance and results? Because it requires, there are no recipes, right? The minute you start following a recipe, there's some kind of change. And are you reflecting yourself? And and I I mean, I'm, I'm running your flag up the pole. I guess I shouldn't, but you do this. And I've noticed that you've, you've done, you, you do that. I don't want your head to get. I don't want your head it to get can't. much bigger than it, it is. Can't. Yeah, it's, it, it's but but it's but in all seriousness, you and and it's not just Josh. Like listeners, I want you to ref, you want to become a student of whatever the hell you do. Challenge every idea that you have. Challenge yourself. Challenge your assumptions. Challenge your baggage. <laughs> your bias. <laughs> Man, holy cow! We really threw him off. He's trying to hold it together and finally broke. <laughs> but do that that's part of that's part of the practice read become a student of whatever you do and leadership requires that absolutely don't don't hold too dearly to anything any idea because it's it's going to be wrong you're going to mm -hmm. be wrong yep all right next question these are these are these are now the other ones josh may have looked at before metacasters but we're now even getting a little quirkier in our ask in our potpourri <laughs> part trois is the josh has not seen these and i'm going to these are questions that have come in and i'm surprising him with them so let's see okay here we go i like this one most of the time orcs still focus on resource utilization instead of value delivery in your experience how do we change this mindset 
The first issue is too many organizations don't know what value they deliver. Oh, yeah, that's that, that's that's a huge issue, and it starts at the top. It what I call that is that company's just doing shit, and it happens to be working. Yes, they're oh, winning in market, yeah. but that's probably because their competitors are doing the same thing, just worse. Uh, yep. But once once a company really figures out what their value is, what their with their unique right to win. That's a huge thing I look for in companies. What about us is so special that no one can replicate it. Let's really lean into that and deliver on that because our competition can do the other things that we do. That doesn't mean we shouldn't do them, but there's something special about us. And what is that? And let's really lean in and make that happen. So it's easy to look at spreadsheets and whatever tool you have and try and align resources with hours and blah, blah, blah. But that's what you do when you don't have anything else to measure because you have no freaking clue the value you're bringing to, to the market. You might say, well, hey, we ship things and our customers buy them. But what's the what's the real value that's there? Oh, oh my gosh, Steven. So the comment that can change the mindset about people being resources are meat widgets. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. In, in every class, I mean, I resonate with that, Stephen. In every class I teach nowadays, every class, it doesn't, and I teach leadership classes, but I'll bring it up. It's like, how many people refer to people as re resources? And inevitably, nearly 90% of the hands go up. And I'm like, I, I try to do a pinky swear to get them to pinky swear not to do that again. Uh, and I'm trying to make the point of that, and your words matter, right? Using that word for people matters in your head and how you view things. So I think that's a part of it. I, I, I go plus 10 on what Josh said on the value part of the proposition. That was incredibly, that was, that was an insightful point. Uh, a real quick point. I'm trying to be terse today. Enric Nieberg, K-N-I-B-E-R-G has a, if you say, if you Google Nieberg resource trap, there's a five minute video where he's just illustrating in a fun way, how managing resources, they're using ping pong balls. Uh, and shows you how managing the people doesn't create, and it's, it has lean principles and pool principles associated with it. But watch that video and, and try to wean yourself from thinking of managing the resources or managing people and and really manage, you know, sort of envisioning value and leading to value. And, and as a leader, getting out of that, getting out of the weeds. Yeah, one, one small point before we move on to the next one is, my smallest unit of measure is a team. Yeah. We yeah. don't ever, we don't yeah. ever go below that. Yep. I love that. Uh, let's see, which one do I want to pick now? Oh, this was okay. It's, this is broad. How do we approach agile transformation in highly regulated environments like banks? How, how long have you been getting this question? Like, I feel like this question has existed longer than time itself. Yeah, yeah. But the artfulness in it is, how do we answer? How do guys like us answer it? And I'm I'm hanging on your every word, Josh. Like, what are you going to say? Yeah, I'm going to be a pain in the ass and say it's not any different. I don't understand how the regulation changes the way you operate in a lean lowercase a agile 
manner. Yes, there's additional restraints that come in that aren't under your control. But guess what? There's additional things that come in out of left field for Apple that aren't in their control. There's a chip shortage. There's a whatever else, right? There's all these things that are going to happen to everybody. And the regulations are just your market forces, just like it's market forces for any other B2C player that's out there that has something come out of left field. They have to respond just like you have to respond. The only difference is in a regulated environment, you have a much longer term view of those regulations coming in at you. So you're not going to get surprised like many of the other folks are. So I, I don't have any real pity there and I get frustrated by that regulation being an excuse of, Oh, we can't do this. I, I agree with you. I, I think maybe there's an implication of banks or regulated environments of also scale. So let's be clear. Is it harder to go agile? The larger the organization, the more stayed the, the org chart is, the more you have regulatory, like controlling functions like PMOs and, and you know bodies that are validating things, uh, then yeah, it's going to be challenging. Uh, but the same strategies apply. Agile works in those environments. I think it's a it's a bit more challenging. So then use Agile to transform Agile. Bite off bite off a chunk of the organization and agilify it. <laughs> Using that term earlier. Uh, the other thing I would say is very often in those organizations, the leaders, and this is true in smaller organizations. The the problem is not the team. The problem is not the bank. The problem is not the envi- the regulations. The problem is the leadership structure. The leaders, that, let's look ourselves in the eye. The leaders are the freaking problem, right? It, because what we're doing by going agile, we're sort of changing. Everyone looks at we're changing everything else. Guess what we're also trying to change? The leader's mindset, how they lead. They're not going to use resources anymore in their life. They're not going to look at people as what it's, what, meat bags or what meat widgets, meat, meat widgets yeah <laughs> right and you know all joking aside they leaders do they think they can split people up i did that at one point i split testers up when i worked at emc i split testers up to 10 percent of the capacity in a spreadsheet and i assigned them across projects and in my stupid myopic view i felt like i could multitask people and still get things done and guess what i was wrong I was dealing with human beings and brains and I wanted all their energy and all of their innovation, right? I was dealing with people like commodities and it just doesn't, or, or meat witches. It's just, the, it's the wrong thinking. So in those environments, there's a lot of leadership shifting that has to go on and there's not a lot of intent to change them. Or there's a lot of, you talk about team resistance. There's a lot of resistance at a leadership level to resist themselves being changed oh oh our budgeting process can't change bs mm-hmm. you're gonna have to oh we can't modify our regu- uh, regulations make us do what we do we can't can't change the regulations no of course you can you can you can modify how you respond to your regulations absolutely uh, your competitors are going to do it and they're going to they're going to clean your clock yeah i i was talking to somebody that was working at a bank or is working at a bank earlier this week and she leads agile coaching in the risk department of the bank. So you think about trying to induce change inside of a department that's responsible for de-risking anything. They are 
inherently not going to be willing to take chances on change. So, but she's doing good and she's making progress. So, so it can be done. It might not be that light switch that you flip on to Bob's point. It's harder and it will take a bit more effort, but the value is still there. Absolutely. Next question, Josh. Last Some one, of the last one, last one. Oh, is this the last one? Yeah. Uh, let me see. All right. This is, I, I want to make it, I want to make it a stumper for you. So let me oh. hold on. I'm well out of the questions. Okay. It's not a stumper, but some of the activities in your experience to bring business and IT teams together. So this is an IT, this is, these questions come from a, not a software development or a product development organization, but more of an IT, large IT organization in, in, in a bank. Imagine that. So how do you bring business and IT teams together? What are some activities? Mm. Uh, the first thing you have to do is stop referring to them as the business. Ooh. Yeah, that's like, a that's a huge issue. A huge Josh, issue. Yeah. you're on fire today. Oh, you yeah. Know that? Oh, yeah. 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 It's the hat. Yeah. Um, and, and what I mean when I say that is you create a silo when you say things like that. And it's like, oh, that's not my responsibility. That's the business's problem. Well, what? Aren't we all in the same company? Like, aren't we yeah. all trying to do the same thing? So that's yeah. step number one. And there's always legacy stuff behind that. And, and like, oh, that's a business decision. Well, we're part of the freaking business. But what you have to do is you have to take on that product mindset to think about the outcomes and begin looping everybody into the value that we're creating for our customers. Maybe they're internal. It doesn't matter if they're internal or external. But that's that's the issue is that uh, so so often we we just lose sight of what we're doing and we just worry about our little piece. But the last thing that I do with that is I make sure we actually define what product means for us. And product is that experience, the full experience that a customer has when they're using whatever we've created as a business together. And it's yep. not just, well, I did my part and I made the button blue. You know, like that, yep. okay, cool. What does that really matter? So you have to work across the organization. There's a ton of effort that goes into making that happen because you you are, to Bob's point, as he said a couple of times, changing the way the whole system works. Yep. I love I love the way you, because one, it's not the way I'm, I'm coming at it. It's, and, but I agree with everything you said, where my brain goes is, and it's going to sound odd perhaps, but collaborative planning and collaborative delivery. Mm -hmm. So collaborative planning is getting the business, right. Or the requesters and the teams together and, and planning based on the capacity of the team, not based on what your perceived need is, or, you know, 10 times that need but being capacity driven and collaborative and working together. PI planning, it's one of the reasons I like PI planning, yeah. right? I will go on record and say, I like PI planning because it gets stakeholders, it gets business facing folks, customers, folks who are paying the check, clients, customers, together with the teams and they figure out an increment and they plan it at a high level. And the team brings their capacity and the customers bring their needs and, and the team brings their creativity and we figure it out and there's no BS like I need this. Well, but we don't have that. No, 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 that, no. That's what, what are the priorities? What's the value? 
and how do we deliver it? Cool. Let's, let's agree to that. So there's the planning side of it. And then I like this notion of collaborative, like release demos, release, mm -hmm. rele release reviews where the same thing happens. And it's the incremental confirmation of the plan two weeks later. Oh my God. Cool. You, we actually didn't just plan it, but you delivered it. Do I like it? Is it where, oh, I didn't admit, oh, you need to make some changes and adjustments. Okay, let's do that again and again and again. There's no excuses. I don't have it on my calendar, right? We The, the business and the teams get their butts in the same room to review progress and to provide feedback. And I think those two aspects, so that's getting together. Um, and I think those are two keys. Yeah. My, so, so and two events they're tactical to some degree right i mean it requires engagement in, in a culture shift but they're they're not they're not rocket science it's get your butts together <laughs> and provide feedback right and listen to each other josh are we done can we stick a fork in this? i think i think? think it's time to get the fork out uh do i don't know if we have a part <laughs> You okay? It's not like you were sneezing. <laughs> or, yeah. or a hairball. <laughs> it's a hairball. Part catch. catch. Uh, I think we see what happens between uh, we, today and yeah. the next recording session. Yeah, Medicare, so send us some. We, we, we're thinking that we might have one more of these potpourris uh, or not. So let's stick a fork in this one. So for yes. beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. And beautiful downtown Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Wait, hold it. Let's do this. Let's, no, let's, let's okay. shift us up. Okay. All right. After after the location. He's okay. Josh Anderson. Oh, geez. And he's Bob Galen. <laughs> well, well that, that felt good. Shake. And bake. <laughs> Take care, y'all. See you, everybody. <laughs> I can tell you like that, Josh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, my God.